Hello, this is Darling Nisi, host of Muse to the Pharaoh. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to introduce a new series that we're doing here on the podcast called Planting Flags in the Funk. You might recognize this lyric from Prince's song 2045 Radical Man, a song that was featured on Spike Lee's Bamboozled movie. As you can imagine, the topic of this series is Prince and Race. So we're going to get into some topics that might make people feel a little uncomfortable, but I ask that you kind of keep an open mind as some of these perspectives have not been shared in the larger fandom. Okay, let's get into it. Muse to the Pharaoh, I am your host, Darlene Nisi. As you know, here on Muse, we like to talk about topics that are less discussed in the fandom to give different perspectives on prints and shine a light in areas that are less explored. One mini-series that we have is the aunties-oriented episodes. In the first one, we talked to ladies who worked at First Avenue in the early 80s. It was interesting to hear about what it was like to see Prince come up on the local scene after he was established as a WB artist. In the last Auntie's episode, we talked to Marilyn McNair. She was someone who worked as a secretary in the Black Music Department of WB in the early days. In this episode, though, we'll be talking to ladies who were Prince fans from the beginning and throughout his career with the added dimension of having a Black perspective. Again, one that's interestingly not really heard from often in the fandom. So we will be getting that perspective today. So joining me today is Angel. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Susie. Hi. And Alicia. Hello. (laughs) Okay, so I don't want to spend too much on on intro, so let's get into it. First question we always ask on the podcast is about people's Prince origin story. So how did you first hear of Prince? And we'll start with Alicia. Oh, that that's a very vivid memory. So the first time that I heard Prince was on a cross-country drive to San Diego with my dad. Our dad was moving out there and he had this tape by this guy and he played it practically the whole way there. So that's 2,000 miles mm-hmm. <laughs> across country. And we're like, who is that? And then of course, by the end of the trip, we fell in love with him uh, and got, I, I know I particularly got hooked. So that was the first time I heard of Princess through my dad, who was a huge music lover. Wow. Okay. Shout out to the parents. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. Um, okay. How about you, Susie? Well, I had heard Prince, but I didn't know who he was. I heard, you know, soft and wet on the radio. You know, black radio always played Prince. But I didn't know who he was until I saw him in those gold pants on uh, uh, American Bandstand, and I love that song. I'm like, who is that? They my cousin, and uh, I just saw him then, and that was it. I was gone. <laughs> that was uh, 1980, 79, 80, and uh, I Want to Be a Lover was big then. That's when I saw him. Okay, how about you, Angel? Hi, well, I saw him in the magazine, uh, I think it was Jet Magazine or Ebony or Billboard, because my uncles are performers. So I saw him like near the charts and I was like, whoa, who is that? 
Yeah. He had that big afro and that, oh my God, that to me, every time I see it, I have like an emotional like moment because he just stopped me cold in my tracks. I didn't know who he was, but then my brother, my oldest brother, Tony, came home with the For You album. He actually had recorded it by tape. And so I, I fell in love with the way he sounded because when my brother introduced him, it was right around the time he came home also with Switch and Bobby DeBard. So with them two brothers with the afro and that falsetto, and they were fine, <laughs> it was over with. You can just a rap. And I would say what hooked me was the next album, I Want to Be Your Lover. When I heard it, I didn't know who it was. And I was like, oh, that's him. And then I was hooked. Hmm. So, Alicia, you said your dad introduced you to Prince, but like, what did everybody else's friends and family think of him in those early days? So, until people started seeing him in video and pictures, most people thought we were a little crazy because they thought he was a little weird. Like, who is this guy with this long hair and bikinis? (laughs) And, you know, what, what is that? What's wrong with you? So, most people did not really understand our interest in him. And and I say our, because my brother was a huge Prince fan too. So we grew up together. My brother definitely on the music side and me on the music and, you know, everything else side. So um, we really didn't have a whole lot of support other than my dad who, who got it and understood why we liked him. But most people didn't really get it. My father was different. Uh, <laughs> very different. <laughs> well, I had um, posters all over the wall, and I used to love him and uh, Gene Anthony Ray, and they both had the chest out. Oh my God, I had the. Mm-hmm. But my father, he said, when I had the Dirty Mind poster where he's licking the guitar. <laughs> or, yes. or around that time. He's my father is like, Mm-mm, I don't like nobody who be licking on no guitar. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. And what he didn't know was uh, he was liking Prince music because at the time, uh, Millie Jackson was one of his favorites. Did a remake of I Want to Be a Lover. I got plenty of money. And he would sing that song. He would play that song all the time. And I just never, I giggled, but I never told him that that was the Prince song. (laughs) Well, my oldest brother, because he he was a musician, he was like, this guy is going to be big. This guy is going to be big. And so I was lucky in that he was the one who really enforced it for me. Now, my next oldest brother, who was also a Gemini, wasn't having it. He's like, (laughs) first of all, he sounds and he looks like a girl. And then when he came out with the whole bikini situation, he he had jokes. And <laughs> how I shut him down, think wherever you are, this photographer from Jet Magazine, James Tarver, thank you. Because he would have all the close-ups and stuff from the um, Rick James tour. And I would tell my brother, what, this little situation here doesn't look like any girl I know. So you can shut up. <laughs> Yes. That's all man. Okay. Whatever. 
and I had to be 11 or 12 years old, <laughs> had no business looking at this stuff. He was literally the first air quote boy who I looked at like that because, yeah. you know, when I first saw him, he wasn't dressed that way. And then when I saw pictures, it was almost like, oh my God, wait a minute, what? And then I just couldn't stop staring. So for me, luckily, I did have that reinforcement with my oldest brother. But of course, then all the jokes came. But like I said, I would shut it down. And they had no comeback for it. They had no, because first of all, they don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they just had no comeback. But yeah, it was interesting. But like um, Susie said, he was all over the radio. And we, we seemed to embrace him as a community. So this is Columbia. How y'all feel tonight? Uh, mm-mm. Y'all got clean, didn't you? Yeah, I had to put on my tie, too. Um, yeah, being yeah. as different as yeah. he was, he was like an advocate for us to, to go against the grain and still win, so. Yes, yeah, I was weird. <laughs> yeah, like he was different, and we were like, yes, be different. Be you, do you, we yeah. got you. You know, we got you. And if you said something, go ahead. It wasn't, um, it, you didn't have permission to be weird. Like, you liked the, the Jackson 5. Like, I was looking for something. Prince came yes. when I was looking for something different because Michael was never my thing, but I loved the Jackson 5. Oh, my God, I was yes. burst through the TV when they were on. But absolutely, it's silver too. Don't forget the silvers because when Prince yeah. came out, he kind of looked like a finer version of Foster Silvers, when he didn't seem like he liked that at but all. But they didn't. Um, they didn't do it though. I don't know. It was too cutie. He was too and, young. And Foster yeah. was like young. He was a boy, but Prince kind of was like a man. He had that just right amount of hair on his chest. Prince was dangerous, and I didn't even know what I needed until he got here. You know. He was his own person, and that just spoke to me because I wasn't like anybody I knew. And I love the fact that he was independent, but at the same time, reading his magazine interviews with Cynthia Horner, I'm like, what is his deal? Answer the question. He frustrated me. So I, right out the bat, just felt like he was um, more someone I can cheer on and not someone I can handle, but I love being in on the joke. Hmm. I, I didn't read a, a Prince interview until... Oh, I don't even remember. I didn't read those interviews. I got those centerfolds. <laughs> That's it. She was there for the imagery only. I was. I wanted to know yeah. about him, and I was fascinated when somebody would. Nope. And Cynthia nope, was I the first one. I remember a word he said. And then his music, it just was very fascinating to me because it was never the same song. You know, one song was rock. Then you had elevator music, kind of. <laughs> and then you had the nasty sound. I'm like, what is like sexy dancer something told me that those panning noises was was kind of adult <laughs> it, it wasn't like humming or singing a lullaby but i wasn't quite sure what but i knew i probably shouldn't have been listening to it but i listened anyway <laughs> so yeah okay so you guys just said a lot <laughs> so <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no, it's fine. So back to the magazines, though. So what are the, like, where did you get your magazines and posters? Or where did you find things to learn more about Prince back then? Well, I think they had uh, magazines, like, 
right on Central Avenue or at any little store, CVS, Woolworths, they always had the black beat and the um, write on. Or it, and then once you get one, they had the little card inside the write on magazine where you can get a subscription. I don't remember how much, but you get 12 of them every month. You would get that that write on magazine. Write on was it. Write on, yeah, Rocky Soul, and Black Beat. Those were the Black Beat, I never got a, prescri- a, a subscription. I would, you know, only get that one if Prince was on it or, you know. But, yeah. I couldn't afford no subscription. I had an allowance and whatever I had in my pocket. And it was usually the drugstore. And we had newsstands as well. So... You know, that was like the, you get off the subway and you come upstairs and you had a newsstand. And for me, it was all about Switch and um, the Jackson Vibe. And, you know, and then when Prince came along, um, you know, he was one of the must have. But I also like Menudo and my pop stuff, too. So, um, yeah, and it was very reasonable. I want to say the magazine was maybe a dollar ninety nine, two dollars. I don't want to make you feel bad, but I actually still have a, a scrapbook where I saved all all of those. So clothes. jealous. Yeah, and um, so the nice thing, so I definitely read right on and Blackbeat, and I have so many pictures without names in terms of the magazines. I don't remember where they all came from, but people knew that I was such a fan that people would tear out things for me and give them to me. So I remember my mother, you know, for instance, being in a doctor's office and seeing a Prince picture and she would rip it out of the magazine. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody just knew that that was, that was, it for me. So most of the pictures came from random magazines, uh, you know, music magazines too. So I was looking at my scrapbook as we're talking, there was one called cream yep. guitar magazine yeah. and Angel, you're right. The price on the cream one was a dollar 95 yeah. for that magazine. So, um, yeah, just anywhere posters had them all up on my wall. I practically, my wall was wallpapered with print yeah. posters. Yeah. So you would not even see the one side of the wall. You would literally not see any white on the wall from the ceiling to the bed. Uh, so, uh, definitely collected all those pictures and, and I want to add something about the like his look too. And we might be getting to this when we talk about concerts. So I was definitely into his looks really early on the eyes and the hair. And he's just absolutely gorgeous. Mm -hmm. But what, (laughs) what, what I won't say ruined it, but changed my focus and made me really, really, really focus more on the music. And of course, when I looked at him, he's still gorgeous, but it wasn't that like burning desire for him is when I did see him in concert the first time. And so I, I'm, close to 510 so when i saw him and i was probably that close to that height when i saw him first which was probably was probably about 13 or 14 when i saw him and i thought oh "Oh, he's tiny (laughs) (laughs) yeah i realized he was short early on and i was like oh he cannot be my husband (laughs) this is not going to work my dad was six four I was like, I'm sure, because I realized with the pictures with Patrice Russian, I had plans for them, too. I had plans for them. Mm-hmm. I know that the interview is going to go into some of the, the later time frame, so I'll refrain. But that's when I real because I knew she was only like maybe 4'10". 
something like that. She's very petite, and he wasn't too much taller than her. I'm like, oh no, he's short. <laughs> no, indeed. <laughs> but I still love me some friends, but I just knew yeah. that he wasn't gonna be my future hubby. Right. <laughs> Okay, let's go to the next one. So you guys mentioned American Bandstand and you know there's Midnight Special and stuff like that. So when is the first time, do you remember the first time you saw him in video form um, and what that was like for you? I don't think American Bandstand was the first time I saw him. I vaguely remember it being like this late night video shows that I would see. I don't, I don't know if it was even BET or anything like that, but I would see these videos because I still have a tape of all of these videos of him performing um you know even as early as dirty mind like um those videos um so i never saw an actual video uh or someone you know shows but i never saw an actual video until uh i think automatic Hmm. Hmm. on video soul yeah, yeah, for me, it was definitely American Bandstand. Yeah. I just remember jumping around being so excited. We didn't have VCRs yet, so it was one and done. And I just flipped my wig, and he's finally on TV. I can see, you know, him performing, even though he's lip-syncing, and he had the pants on. And then some, I knew he was going to be on that show with the Midnight Special, so I stayed yeah. up after Saturday Night Live. And Lord have mercy, that zebra outfit, bikini situation, <laughs> and he, he kicked his leg up, and I saw fangs. I was like, what is? I looked around, I covered my eyes, I looked again, and it was I, he changed. I, like I said, I didn't look at boys. I knew I wasn't supposed to be looking, but I, it was a train wreck. I couldn't stop staring, and then the next thing you know, that outfit and those pictures are starting to surface. And it just shifted everything. And it was like, where did that beautiful, mysterious looking guy with, because it was a black and white picture I saw from the For You promo. Where did he go? He went from that guy the year before to groceries and hair. I was, it was, woo. I, I didn't, I didn't, I, I'm blushing thinking about it. It was hilarious now because my, again, my middle brother was like, what are you look? what is this? Yeah, yeah. Prince was um back in those days. Um, Prince was more um for me after the 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 uh, and I'm not even sure I connected the the cute guy. Well, I want to be a lover with um when they was all across the radio, black radio. They used to play the time. They would play Lady. That was the thing about Lady Cadron being black. Yeah. Because uh, the, the other stations, like um, MTV and the white stations, will be playing 1999 and Little Red Corvette. And at the same time, the black stations was jamming to DMSR and yes, Cat Driver and absolutely. Time and all that. I'm not sure that I put it together in my mind that this was that little guy. Hmm. Oh, I knew. I definitely knew. I didn't have cable. I don't think I... In the projects, we didn't have cable, so it was all about whatever came on over the air. So... I remember my brother figuring out that Jamie Starr was Prince, and that's when... Yeah. I, I liked Prince for pictures in the beginning, and I liked I Want to Be a Lover. But when... And Dirty Mind, I never heard that. Not at all. Nothing from Dirty Mind, so... After Purple Rain, <laughs> I went straight from I Want to Be a Lover to uh, Controversy and all that. 
they were you know, black radio stations playing Do Me Baby and all that. I mean, they, they were, that, they were that uptown era. out in Philly. Uptown was the jam from a dirty Yeah, it's uptown and um yeah, Do Me Baby was the real big. That was huge. Alicia, you were saying something about um maybe his look. Oh yeah, so I think I, I think I was just noting how when we describe you know, our reactions to seeing him and and all of that and you know just from reminding myself of how formative Prince was to us as people and as women and you know because Absolutely. we were all in that hormonal early hormonal yes developing our identity our sexuality and all of that so yeah. I, I i truly believe that is one of the, one of the many many reasons why when he when he died it was just so excruciatingly painful for so many of us because those of us that have been following him he he grew up with us he helped us yeah. grow up um so i was just noting how when we're describing you know all of this this passion we felt for him uh it's just it's a common theme among all of us talking Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He he made it okay for us to be sexual. Like I never mm-hmm. tapped into his um his I don't know if it was a for real struggle, but from what people that knew him, they mentioned that he he always had the the spirituality and the sexuality kind of dueling. And for me, I never got into any guilty feelings about feeling sexual. For me, yeah. he he green lighted us as women and as a young girl, because remember, I'm 10 the first time I uh, was exposed to him and being around music. I looked at him through the music and really paid a very hard attention to his perspective in the music and always heard the sensuality and the yearning, even when he was being nasty. You can feel mm-hmm. um, his empathy towards his female counterpart that he was directing all this energy to. And when he passed away, one of my coworkers said, you know, he... Some of us got our first ooh wee. I didn't. Some of us got our first ooh wee. That's right. He made it okay. He it wasn't dirty. It wasn't nasty. It was it was natural. It, and he promoted this sense of of freedom and not being afraid for self expression. Right. And um, you're but right. To me, I agree with you on that. You know, um, Susie, you talked about how your parents were different. My dad was the one introduced us, but the person that really just cemented all of this for me was our mother because she's the one that bought us the first Prince concert in 1983. My sister and I, 11 and 12, in the front, very front, seeing this man. She saw the videos, she saw the pictures, and she still let us go. She did not ever try to make us feel like there was anything wrong with it because her attitude was, well, if I make it seem dirty or wrong, then it's going to entice you even more. And then you'll want to experiment experiment in unhealthy ways. So I'd rather you experiment with me, kind of knowing what he's saying and doing. And if you have questions, come talk to me. So she was the one that bought the ticket, the first Prince concert ticket. And she let us go. There were no adults with us. We were standing in the front, right under him on the stage. Wow. So go ahead and talk about that. Yeah. (laughs) I still have pictures of it. So it was the 1999 tour. 
So, you know, he had the, uh, this is when the purple coats started to come out. And, but I remember very clearly one of the amazing things that we experienced is he was dancing. And we, as I said, we were literally up against the stage and he was turning and had, he had on these white pants and sweat flinging and the sweat flew on our faces and we started but i remember and and i still clearly remember him looking down at us and just just had this sweet smile on his face i will never forget it um mm. yeah that that's just the moment that I, I always carry with me. It was one of the moments I thought about after he died because I, for a moment I locked eyes with him and no, I've never met him or talked to him, but mm-hmm. that cemented my just yeah, love of yeah, his music yeah. too. He was just, I know we're talking a lot about his physical appearance, but his music just, I, I became yeah. a music nerd following his career and wanting to learn more about, you know, the, his influences as well and listening to the albums and reading the liner notes and all of that. So he, he made me the music nerd that I feel like I am today, but absolutely. And, um, I know I've seen Prince probably close to 30 times in concert and that Mm -hmm. was just traveling. Uh, I'd, I'd go to multiple cities uh, and I'd get a friend or, or older relative to drive me. Um, so I, I've I've been to quite a few concerts and most of them have been up close. Uh and it's just I I can't even describe no one has ever come close to that concert experience for me ever. I mean, I, and I've seen some great yeah. people. He is a phenomenal performer. You feel every note. You it's just yeah, yeah, an yeah, amazing yeah. experience. You know, when she was talking about his influences. Yes. That's actually what brought me to him mm. because my father was a great big old uh, James Brown fan. Mm. My, mother, my mother was all Sam Cooke and Al Green. And Prince just felt like it was a natural progression because he had both of them back. He had the melodic uh, um, falsetto and he had that hard stankin' funk too. Mm-hmm. Just felt like he was supposed to be there in the first, you know, he was supposed to be there. It was familiar for me. That's all I heard when I grew up. That That's that influence. And you don't think about that until, like, when I grow up. Yes. Like, yeah. He sounds like Dave J. That was like, that was already in my DNA. Mm-hmm. That was already yeah. in my DNA. That's right. Most definitely. Yeah. Growing up with my uncles who performed and my mother joined them, I can hear all of the, um, it was almost like a mashup of the different influences, like Sly and the Family Stone. I heard Rufus and Shaka Khan when he, when he had those heavy bass lines. It was the Brothers Johnson. Oh, yeah. I heard so many of the stuff that I grew up listening to my family perform on stage or, you know, them and their composures. So it felt at home and I was like Alicia I would dissect the whole cassette tape I would look at the liner notes I want to know who played what I know even though his stuff said it was just him I'm like Mm-mm, I'm hearing other <laughs> who is this and then come to find out in the For You album Patrice Russian actually performed on some of those songs because she really helped him uh, refine his synthesizer programming you know she was a legend in the jazz world herself Baby Fingers that was her nickname 
And it was just very fascinating for me to listen for his interpretation of his influences. And then I had a major mm-hmm. reaction mm-hmm. to when his sisters released his dad's music. I was like, oh, my goodness. He talked about his dad, but I actually heard in his dad's music the things that it sounded like Prince was was expressing how he interpreted how his dad's music sounded to him and it made me feel a little close to him and a little sad that I couldn't relay that to Prince you know now that he's gone And it almost kind of gives you a peek into the mind of the composer. So for me, I was always trying to get inside of him and really try to convey what he was trying to say through his music, whether it be a note, the way he bent it. Because sometimes his notes literally sounded like he was crying and weeping. And it it made me feel stuff. And I was trying to figure out why am I feeling this way? There are songs right now that I can't listen to because they're too... Yeah, it almost feels personal, too personal. But I, I love that he created that space for me to go into because sometimes the music was all I had. And and I thank him for that. I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's really interesting that you guys say that because that's one of the things I talk about as far as why I'm a Prince fan is because obviously younger than you guys, but listening to the same type <laughs> of music because that's what my parents played around and they're around mm-hmm. Prince's age. So... Mm-hmm. I always say that Prince is the perfect distillation of all my favorites anyway, in kind of a right, different right. form. But one thing mm-hmm. I want to ask you guys, because you always hear, you know, Prince in the 80s was very innovative and different things like that. From your perspective, do you find him to be innovative or is it more kind of like these are all things that are familiar to me and, and it's kind of in a new way, but also not? No, that, he was definitely innovative. Right. It, it was so, but... You know, it was soul, it was funk, it was uh, R&B, mm-hmm. but it was different. It was like um, rock, too. And, you know, back in the 70s, we grew up mostly white radio stations. Right. The black radio station came on Friday, you know, or mm-hmm. late at night. That or Every day was white radio. That was it. That's all we got up here in Albany, New York. And on the weekends and our records, we would get so, so, but you could learn to like those rock songs. Those songs oh, yeah. Fun, you know, the Beatles and uh, Three Dog Night and all that stuff. And that was Prince, too. Mm-hmm. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I like the way he melded all yeah. those influences together with a completely different sound. So absolutely, he was innovative musically, yeah. but the whole package. You never... Right could predict what to expect from him, whether it was in an album or his concert. So I, I remember even, because I mentioned, I'd go to multiple shows on the same concert and they were never exactly the same. He'd, he'd do a different arrangement or something of a song or, you know, he'd expect someone to kind of mix it up. One of his bandmates to mix it up. But I totally agree with Suze. It, it was all of those 
you know, the rock that we, the rock pop that we listen to and R&B and just, yeah. yeah. So I, I, innovative is, is a, is a good word, but there's probably a better word even, even still. And I don't know what it is. <laughs> well, he definitely was innovative because my dad was a huge Santana fan. As a matter of fact, oh, that was my first yeah. concert. And I heard a Santana immediately through Prince on the For You album. I want to say I'm yours. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, Peter Frampton, like my cousin loved Peter Frampton. So oh, I love when, Frampton. when I heard For You, I was like, yes. Yeah, and, you know, I love I'm Yours. A, That's one of my favorite songs yes. on the album. My mom was a huge Gladys Knight and, you know, all of the Billy Jackson. My mom was also like the raunchy one that had the Richard Pryor albums and Billy Jackson. <laughs> and, you know, oh, my we dad all loved that. Barry White. And I just heard all of that type, the way, the way yeah. Prince's rhythm section moved was very Barry White and whatever his band was called. It was so tight with that bottom bass and drum marriage. I mean, he was so innovative in that. He, like many artists before him, had influences, but he mixed them together and melded them in a way where you felt like it was still authentically him. Okay. So um, back to concerts. Did anyone else go to early concerts? Because I'm going to ask Alicia some yeah. more. About- okay, mm-hmm. talk about it. Um, my well, my first concert, I was 21. I went to the Syracuse show. My father got me a ticket for Syracuse um, Purple Rain show that we all we all know of now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, um, radio station. I was at work in the radio station. Uh, uh, my coworker heard it on radio. Everybody already knew it. I'm just I love Prince, you know. So she come down to on my floor and she says, Do you wanna go see Prince? And I'm like, Yeah, done. The radio station was ha- and the tickets were seventeen fifty for Sheila E open. Oh, I got the uh calendar and uh, I got so much stuff and don't you know that I threw all that stuff I d- didn't even keep up with it. But who cause who knew that thirty years later I'd still be liking Prince. So yeah. I had no nothing. I haven't had my ticket, nothing. My brother went with me, and it was, well, you already know what it was, but, uh, wow. So my father I, actually bought my ticket, too. I wanted to add, as far as another concert, so I went to the 1999 tour, um, and then I also went to, um, it was, uh, uh, oh, I forgot the name of the concert, but or the, the tour, but it was when Vanity Six and the time. In order for me to keep up with my reputation, I want you to tell me Vanity is nasty. Vanity is nasty. Yeah, Vanity is nasty. That's right, Vanity is nasty. triple threat i remember that being like the big thing where you felt like the time was competing with prince and and i mean you could feel you could feel that energy and 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 that and so i remember there being a curtain and you didn't see the band when vanity six was out there vanity six was out there and the whole time i'm thinking 
Prince is back there playing something. And so that, yeah. that, that mystique that Angel talked about, it was just, that was so exciting um, to, to know that we already figured out that Prince was part of that you know, mm-hmm. Prince was Jamie Starr in the band for the time and in Vanity Six with, you know, pro- I'm sure some support, but that made it even more exciting, too. So that's when that mystique started to ramp up for me, um, you know, yeah. musically. But I, I want to say that I I was exci- as excited about Purple Rain as anybody else in the beginning. But at some point I got mad at Purple Rain. I got mad at Purple Rain because... I know one of the questions was when he was ours and I do feel like that's when he was starting to pull in a direction that made him less, uh, ours. accessible. Yeah. So I, I, I refuse to go see purple rain, the concert that is not the movie. I saw the movie probably way too many times, but I refuse to go to the purple rain because it just felt too much like it a felt too manufactured. Yeah. And yes. That's because you were there, but you saw the one before, right? Yeah, yeah, and then I right. and after Purple yeah. Rain, I resumed going to see him. It was that. that 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 tour that I just dug in and said, I'm I'm not going to see Purple Rain. I'm not buying into all of this right now. I want I want to see him turn the corner, and he did. And then he started to come back towards smaller venues. I, I saw him, Angel. You probably know of this venue. Uh, it's now the Altria Theater, but I saw him um, there a, a few years after Purple Rain. He started to do smaller places after purple rain so i got a chance to see him in smaller big venues and smaller ones too yeah i i definitely um by the time i started noticing the shift when he um with 1999 but i was still good with it because that that album cover of 1999 had yeah. that um that notorious phallic looking one. Oh, we joked and giggled about that thing throughout oh it was awesome <laughs> And nobody, the grown-ups totally missed it, but us girls, we knew exactly. It was like he it was a dog whistle for us. We we <laughs> did not and right back with him. And DSMR was the jam. Mm-hmm. Purple Rain really irritated me. I loved um, the soundtrack, but once I want to say the the hoopla, I knew watching this movie is like he is not going to be ours anymore. And I stayed mad at him. I, my anger really ramped up with Parade. When I looked at his face and it looked like he did, I don't think he did anything to his face. It could have been just the way he was being photographed. I'm like, I know he didn't get something done to his face. He didn't need, I was hot with him. And then when I saw a Kiss, I was like, it better be a sister in this video because now we're almost 10 years in. Where are we at? But I still roll with him, but I wouldn't spend money on it until side of the times. But earlier, I wasn't fortunate enough to see him live. I saw him later, and I'll talk about that, you know, when when we ramp up to that part of the interview. <laughs> I, I got to go back to Alicia just kind of glossed over it again. She told me privately, I hopefully you'll share, what was it like to have his sweat land on you? Oh, <laughs> 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 oh I, don't, uh, I just felt... As I said, like, I didn't want to wash my face. And I literally didn't wash my face that night. Um, it felt like it's it stuck, <laughs> you know. I don't know. It, it, was, it was just, uh, I, I don't even know if there were words to explain. And and for some people, that is, this might sound silly. Oh, you know he's just a human he's just a person and and yes that's true but i don't know and and this was again this is before he became huge 
you know, with purple rain and all of that. And, and it was something just an intuition that I said, okay, he's about to get big. And this is a moment that I'm going to hold on to because I'll probably never get this close ever again. And, and I did have a, a couple of times when I got that close, but not to the point where, where I felt the sweat and all of that. Mm. Yeah, and then the look, in the look, I, the look down, looking, yeah, the way him looking, and it was just a very sweet look of appreciation, like, you know, yeah. you, you all get me. It, it was kind of like that, like y'all get me. Yeah, that that it was just a very sweet moment. So forgive me, Kanisa. I just needed to have her really slow down and 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 really make my inner tween heart sing by by sharing by sharing that. And one more thing, um, I noticed that a lot of people refer to um, like the earlier years as him being unknown. That second album was a monster album. It was yes. number one on the black charts. And it sold a million copies. And one of the reasons he was even brought on Rick James's tour was to pump some energy into it. And he gave Rick James a run for his money. He wasn't unknown to us. Right. With that album was platinum. That album had was certified a million units moved by the right. time he hit that tour in February of 1980. There are of established we, people who never sell a million dollars of anything. Then. Yeah, he moved a million units of his album. And I want to say I Want to Be Your Lover was double platinum, which was um, in the singles version, I want to say it was one million as well, or maybe two. So he was huge for us, you know, yeah. and he yeah. mattered. Yeah. And that could have been why Alicia felt some kind of way being so close. Because by then, we had been very familiar with him for a few years. And he was he was the guy. You know, he was very, very huge for us. And it took the rest of the world um, a minute to catch up. And one thing, too, Owen Husney has a book out, and he talks about the first promo they did. And he said he was fearful that they were going to be trampled. He was surprised. Had he been reading Right On magazine and looking at those polls that Prince kept winning and really mm -hmm. plugged in, he wouldn't have been as shocked. Because when he said they turned around the corner and it looked like, hundreds of people were trying to cram into this record store and then they started shaking the the vehicle they, they were scared but they were caught off guard but i tell you i wasn't surprised let him come to my neighborhood it would have been the same thing because he was yeah. really really popular um but you're right alicia it was like this is going to be a different level of 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 fame and yeah, I felt a sense of urgency to hold on to that guy because I felt like it was going to change him. You know what I mean? I can't put into words. Maybe that's a, the wrong way of seeing it, but I kind of could sense it too. Well, I, was, I didn't even think about that. Then. I, I was kind of grateful for the backlash after Purple Rain because after Purple Rain um, came around the world in a day mm -hmm. and there was a backlash. Mm. But, you know, what is this? And I actually was kind of glad for that yeah. because that meant that some of the people that kind of just jumped on the bandwagon at that point got lost. So, and then when he started to be much more experimental and so I yeah. was grateful for him doing things a lot different and not trying to do purple rain or anything yeah. like that again. And so um, Angel, I know we've talked about this in offline conversations that, um, you know, in terms of the black audience where he got us back 
or overall, as I, I will admit, I'm one that stuck with him through musically through thick and thin. You know, I had my moments of questions and not always agreeing with things, but I stuck with him musically. But in terms of black radio, uh, they came back around during Sign of the Times. That was like the real big push. And when he did Adore and, and everyone just fell back in love with him at that point. Um, See, for, for me, all of that was um, 2020. That's hindsight. While I was in it, yeah. I felt like everything was uh, platinum. Yeah. I, mean, I dressed, you know, can we talk about the fashions? I mean, from uh, Purple Rain all the way into Batman, I wore lace polka dots, uh, one-legged pants. Uh, oh, yeah. I, 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 I dressed uh, uh, only bought clothes from Frederick to Hollywood. All, <laughs> the, all those years, all those songs, to me, Purple Rain and Condition um, of the Heart, which is on a totally different album that people didn't really, but that was all hindsight to me. To me, it was all number one. And yeah. everybody in the world loved it, but it was just me. I didn't, all that, that this one, uh, this one wasn't as good as that one. That was hindsight for me. Yeah. While I was in it, I was in it, and I didn't give a damn who didn't like it. Right. I, me, I, I appreciated that good. everybody didn't like it. And and like you, Susie, I would find the nuggets on every album that I really, really loved. So on that Around the World in the Day, um, Condition of the Heart is a beautiful song. Yeah. Um, you know, Tambourine, or I, mean, I, I could just throw out a whole bunch of and, and going, pop life. That was my Oh album. yes, that's my true. Jam. That was but I wouldn't buy the album. I was still mad at him. Angel, can you talk more about why you were upset? I was upset with him because of his answers. It's a specific thing. I'm not gonna say on this particular show, but that's another show that he did. I was hot with him about that. Um hot. And um, I really took umbrage to some of the stuff he was saying. Like, one of the things that, thank God for Ebony Magazine, during the whole Purple Rain era, his dad was interviewed. And there was this thing about his ambiguity about his race. Because he said it. He's the one talking about he's half black and Italian. I lived in South Philly. No, you were not. (laughs) I never believed that. Because he didn't look like the people I grew up with who were actually half black and Italian. I saw him as a light-skinned person who maybe, you know, had some, you know, other folks in his ancestry. And his dad would say, his dad literally said, um, me and my, me and Prince's mom are black. Now, I have ancestors, and she has ancestors who weren't, but aren't, we're black, and so is our son. And even though his father said this, you, I would still run into people who really believed in the visuals that they saw in Purple Rain. No. And I'm like, you arguing with his dad? His dad just told y'all what the deal is. And yeah. still don't want to believe it. So I really, it was irritating to me because I felt like it was implied that it was he was somehow less exotic yeah. or beautiful or handsome and they well i don't see race when i see prince you telling me that yeah. is not a compliment yeah. yeah that's a really important point and, and i'd yeah. like to yeah. add to that because you know as as a fair-skinned black person i actually related to some of that because i remember a controversy in the line you know am i black or white am i straight or gay and i remember just personally having uh people ask me 
you know, the black or white thing. And, and early on, that can create that identity um, crisis or question that you have when you don't feel necessarily accepted by um, the black community, but then you don't feel accepted by the white community. So I can see how he was probably working through a lot of that. So that probably didn't bother me as much because I could, I could relate to it some, and I'm sure he probably went through some of that growing up um, too, especially with the light eyes and, and all of that. So um, so I, I feel like it, 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 I get, guess it depends on your perspective, but I actually can appreciate that expressing that early struggle about identity out in public. Um, yeah. Well, I, I never bought into it being about him because looking back at his interviews and even later in life, he seemed very rooted in his uh, in his place in the world as a black man what i felt prince was striving for was not being pigeonholed into a black hole in yes, black exactly. section but mm-hmm. i always felt prince was unapologetically black and he even said that to tavis smiley probably about seven years ago six seven years ago tell me about dreamer oh well um when i saw the uh, state of the black union dick gregory uh really moved me and a lot of my friends that show it to everybody that comes over the house, especially white folks, because they need to hear that, you know, so that they know more about all of us. Mm-hmm. Because um, what he said affects all of us. I look at Dr. Condoleezza Rice, hear me, and we tolerated. She has more PhDs than the president's whole cabinet. And you hear me too, black folks. They call her Condi, but they never call Madeleine Albright Maddie, never call Janet Reno Janney. Huh? Okay? They call Henry Kissinger, Dr. Henry Kissinger. And let me tell you, she don't see nothing wrong with it. Let me tell you something. They got a solar pop in America. Blacker than her, they call Dr. Pepper. So for me, I think he was just really, that was a the persona of Prince because he also talked about he, unless, until he really, um, he was always around black folks all the time because living where he was living on the north side, his mom lived on the south side of Minneapolis, but because it was segregated, he, they only represented 2% of the population. You had race riots. It was a very racially charged environment that he was in. Just by the phrase, you never would have drank my coffee if I had never served you cream. I tell them what you Hello. You wouldn't, they wouldn't give you, I mean, you know, you couldn't just serve black coffee. He had to have cream in it. 
You look at you look at for you. He has this big giant afro. He could have wore his hair any kind of way. He intentionally kept it in that afro. And then that second album, they were like, "Dude, you can't be rocking that afro." So he changed it. And when I saw that hairstyle, I immediately thought Jim Morrison from The Doors. His antics with that guitar and masturbating it was Jim Morrison. He was a he was going after that rock audience now. And Jim Morrison had went to jail and got a lot up for lewd and lascivious conduct for the things that Prince later did on the Doherty Mind Tour. It was like he took his predecessors from these established um, genres and made it part of his Prince persona. Like like you said, Susie, I think it was very calculated and he knew it would yeah, hit a nerve. Because of, uh, a black it artist didn't hit. get as much uh, money for Air. tours, money for yeah. videos. Marketing. You know, he had to do the chitlin circuit, stuff like that. Yeah. He wanted to bypass that. Love it. And again, these are all opinions. Of course, like mm-hmm. Alicia said, we can't begin to speak authoritatively about what he may or may not have been going through. Um, because, you know, we can't speak for him. We can only talk about our perceptions. Mm-hmm. And and I really think that there's definitely validity in what Alicia was saying about the colorism within our own communities. Oh, oh yeah. Um, uh, even Tyka talked about that. Tyka talked about being light skinned black back then, mm-hmm. back in those days. And then they had both, they both had weird names. Yes. You know, yes. They, they weren't black. Yes, to say that almost yeah. like they weren't black enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where um, when I when I would talk about, I, I, again, I giggle at Prince because when you look at his later years when he uh, fired the revolution and now you've got the first iterations of what became the new power generation, he went from kind of being ambiguous to like, ha, now that I got your attention, not only am I black, I'm I'm gold nigga black. Like, I'm black. Like, I could not believe he made a a song. Can I tell you how good it was when he got that band? Don't you hate it when a jig is in the house? Yeah. He ain't been in a club five minutes for six, seven customers flying out of the mouth. Hand all on his erection. Making room gestures in the girl's direction. Don't you hate it when they get up and dance? I mean, I love it. Was uh, so I love good. The it was so good. Like, it was like, ha, fooled you. Now you get to see what really, or not necessarily what the real deal is. Like he just continued the continuum of experimentation and, and getting out here and staying with, you know, what was current and current edge, but putting his own spin on it. Meanwhile, keeping a level of authenticity where it still felt like Prince. It still felt like, hmm, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is still our guy. Hmm, we'll stop it right there. That concludes part one of the Planting Flags in the Funk Aunties episode. What are your thoughts? Share them on the Prince Podcast Facebook group, Darling Nisi on Twitter, Darling Nisi on Tumblr. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. See you next time. Black people, all right, white people, just this one time. All right, wait a minute, what we need y'all to say, if you believe it, only if you believe it, only one we want y'all to say, guilty, guilty, say what, say what,
Say what? Keep that rolling. Lead line, turn it up, set. Pump it up, y'all. Get the fist, get the fist, y'all. Pump it up, pump it up, y'all. And let her hammer down. Come on, y'all. You motherfucking right, give it up. Who's in the motherfucking house? Give it up, give it up, y'all. Yeah, yeah, one, say it. All right. Word up. So that's the verdict, huh?